Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Easter again. He is risen. Uh, yeah, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, for those of you who are guests, great to see you. My name's Chad, lead pastor here at CVC. Great to be with you. All of you online, so glad that you're here with us right now. Hey, do you remember your first Easter? It was funny, last service there was this little girl. She goes, yes. <laughs> you remember your first Easter? And some of you are going, dude, I was raised in a Christian home or a typical American family. Easter's just always been there. But maybe for some of you, you came to faith in Christ later in life, or maybe you didn't celebrate Easter, but then later on in life, it kind of came online. Uh, when you think back on your earliest Easter memories, uh, let's think about some of the celebrations and traditions that some of us have participated in. So let's, uh, let's look at some of these options. If, if you celebrated or celebrate these as part of your early Easter memories and traditions, uh, raise your hand when you see them. How many of you, it's Easter baskets and Easter baskets? Yeah, yeah. Those of you online, I know you're raising your hand. We can't see you. Okay. How how about candy, especially chocolate bunnies, all right, chocolate bunnies in the house, right, okay, egg hunts and dying Christmas eggs and all that stuff. How about ham for the meal? It's always like a ham, Easter ham, very good. Going to church, dressing up, all that jazz, right on. How about sunrise services? Any sunrise services? It's funny, every service, the sunrise people, there was just a little attitude with the hand. It was like, yep, got up earlier than all of you, got up. <laughs> Got my sunrise badge, you know? It's like a little badge I got. How about, how about resurrection rolls? Anyone do resurrection rolls? There's always just a couple. Some of you are like, what on earth is a resurrection roll, okay? Google it. It's awesome. Um, it's great to do with the kids, so look up resurrection rolls. They're awesome. Regardless of your traditions and, and, and all those memories, which ironically, a lot of them have actually nothing to do with the real meaning of Christmas, but regardless, all our Easter memories are typically good, they're fun, they're special, but let me change the question a little bit. Do you remember your first real Easter? Like when all of a sudden you connected the dots and it wasn't just about eggs and candy and bunnies and all that kind of stuff. But when you realize that, no, 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 no. Easter is our celebration of the most spectacular event in human history. When Jesus Christ stepped out of that tomb over 2,000 years ago. And that you connected the dots realizing, like, really, uh, Easter is not one day a year that we celebrate. It's a moment in history that has changed and transformed every other day since then. So as followers of Christ, we really know that every day is Resurrection Day. Every, every Sunday when we gather is a time to celebrate resurrection and all the days in between because the resurrection of Jesus changed every day. And now we can walk in the power we can walk in the joy, we can walk in the hope that is ours in Christ because of the resurrection. The problem is, some of you are going, that's not my experience. Especially as you look back over the last year or two, you're going, if you're to use that phrase that I'm walking in the power, I'm walking in the joy, I'm walking in the hope of the resurrection, I'm not sure that fits my life. Why would that be? Here's probably why. You probably have some issues that are overshadowing your belief. They're, they're overshadowing your experience of the power, the hope, and the joy that are yours in Christ. What, what do I mean by overshadowed? Uh, when I think of overshadowed, this is when something crowds out, right? And so I think about when my kids were little, and I would walk up behind them, and the sun was behind me, and my shadow would cover them, right? I would, I would overshadow my children. Or this morning, I was driving into church, 
And uh, I don't know how many of you saw this, but the sunrise was unbelievable this morning. Huge, giant ball of fire, you know, coming over the horizon. The oranges and the reds. It was like so appropriate for Easter to see the sun coming up. And so, and I don't recommend this, okay? So you might need to just cover the kids' ears for a minute. I got my camera out as I'm driving down the road, you know? And I'm trying to take some photos of, of the sunrise. And, and when I got to the church and looked at my photos, you know what I saw? Telephone poles and trees. And there was like this little orange dot in the background. I'm like, that's not what I saw, right? I saw this amazing sun, but when I looked at the photos, the power poles and the trees and all that stuff overshadowed what I was seeing. Some of you have things that are overshadowing your belief in Christ if you've never given your life to Jesus. And some of you are letting other issues overshadow your experience of Christ and your experience of the resurrection and the power and the joy and the hope that is ours in Christ. So what I want to do is I want to take a moment and I want us to go back to the very first Easter. We're going to step back in time over 2,000 years ago to when Jesus stepped out of the tomb. And we're going to look at this moment through the eyes of a very special person, the very first person who ever interacted with Jesus after he rose from the grave. And her name is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is an amazing person in Scripture. These photos come from uh, the series The Chosen, a phenomenal show if you want to see a great portrayal of the life of Christ, and, and so I recommend that. But Mary Magdalene was a phenomenal lady. By the way, Magdalene was not her last name, okay? Mary was a very common name in the Bible. There's a lot of Marys in the Bible. And so Mary Magdalene uh, was a woman who came from the city called Magdala. And Magdala is on the western side of the Sea of Galilee in Israel. And so she's called Mary Magdalene because she was from Magdala. And here's a little bit of a kind of a bio on Mary, if you will. Here's some things that are myths about Mary that aren't true. One, she was not married to Jesus. Uh, Sorry, all you conspiracy theorists. And she wasn't even dating Jesus, all right? So let's just get that off the table. There was no romantic relationship between her and Jesus whatsoever. Um, She was not a prostitute. There's uh, some other women in the Bible that Jesus encountered and and really freed them from some dark places. Some people have confused with a little sloppy Bible study that Mary is this prostitute. That's, That's not true. And Mary never wrote a book of the Bible. There's no gospel of Mary. But what we do know about Mary is this. When we look at the Bible and we look at this life of this woman, Mary Magdalene, it starts out with her story. She was absolutely oppressed by demonic activity. In fact, the Bible says she had seven demons that Jesus freed her from. So when Jesus met Mary, he freed her from this demonic oppression. And then she committed her life to following Jesus, to be a disciple. That's what we do. When Jesus comes into our life, when Jesus frees us, gives us new life, we follow him. We become his disciple. We become his student. The Bible becomes our textbook, right? And so, and so she followed Christ. And as she followed Christ, that journey took her all the way to the cross. Mary was there when Jesus was brutally crucified. She was there when his dead body was taken off the cross and put into the tomb. She was there when the tomb was sealed, and she was there at the resurrection. She was the very first person that encountered Jesus. And then Jesus told her to go and tell others what she had seen and heard. And so I want to enter to this moment, because what we're about to see is that although all this is true about Mary, her belief in the resurrection, her moment in interacting with Jesus as he stepped out of the grave was also overshadowed. It was overshadowed in such a way that she didn't realize what was going on in the moment. 
And so let's open up our Bibles, or you can open up your Bible apps if you're a guest or you're new. Uh, these verses will be on the screen, so you don't need to sweat that. But for the rest of us, as followers of Christ, uh, open up your Bibles to John chapter 20. This is one of the accounts of the resurrection. And here's what we see in John chapter 20. It says, Now, on the first day of the week, Sunday, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. See, she went to the sunrise service too, okay? And she saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Just to pause here, this is always kind of a little bit of a humorous moment, because this like other disciple is John, the author of this book, and he's being kind of humble, except when he mentions the fact that he outran Peter. It's like, by the way, I got there before Peter did, the other disciple, right? We pick it up in verse 3. So Peter went out with the other disciple. They were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. The other disciple outran Peter, reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter uh, came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. That's a whole story by itself. It's kind of a neat uh, picture. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to the home. So just pause here. So here we have Mary shows up. She sees the empty tomb, freaks her out. What is the first thing she concludes? It says right here, she thought, what was the very first thing she thought? Someone took the body. That was the first conclusion she made. Lock that in. We're going to come back to that. Then she went and told Peter and John. And then they all, Peter, John, and Mary, went back to the tomb. John and Peter looked in. They checked it out. They left. Now we have Mary Magdalene all by herself at the empty tomb. Pick it up in verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look at the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one on the head and one on the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. Again, her conclusion, the body was stolen. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said the things to her. What an amazing moment we see in the Scriptures. And what should have happened in this moment is the second she saw Jesus, it should have been like cue background music, Slow motion, running to Jesus, big hug, you know, rainbows and unicorns dancing in the sky, amazing moment, total joy. It wasn't. Mary was sitting there, and her belief and her joy that was hers was overshadowed by grief and by disbelief and by discouragement. 
We understand that because it says right here that after Peter and John left, she stood there at the empty tomb weeping. This doesn't mean that she was sitting there with just a little tissue kind of dabbing her eyes, kind of having a couple tears. She was bawling. She was at the end of herself emotionally, trying to emotionally grasp the depth. Think about all that had happened in the last several days leading up to this moment. She had followed Christ. She saw the crowds in a frenzy. She, she, she saw Jesus brutally crucified. She saw him die. And you better believe all the hopes and all the joy and all the dreams that she had wrapped up in Jesus, it sounds like they died with him there on the cross. And then when she saw him put in the tomb, and that tomb was sealed by a big stone, it's almost like all her joy and her hope was sealed in that tomb too. And here she was coming back. And in that moment when she saw the empty tomb, she was so grief-stricken with deep sorrow that she couldn't process what was going on and she came to the wrong conclusion. Someone took the body. This does not fit even the evidence of what she's experiencing. For one, as a follower of Jesus, she was there when Jesus was teaching multiple times to all the disciples that he was going to go to Jerusalem, he was going to be arrested, he was going to be killed, and he was going to rise from the dead. Jesus taught this. Just one of the moments that we see that in Scripture is found in Mark. And in Mark chapter 8, um, I've got to find it here. There it is, 31. It says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, what? Rise again. Plus, in a moment, she's staring in the empty tomb, which again, remember, the tomb was, you know, the stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out. He didn't need someone to let him out. He let himself out, right? But it was to let us all in to look and see that the tomb was empty. But when she looks in, the grave clothes are just there. In fact, the head cloth is nicely folded up and put to the side. Grave robbers wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have, you know, uh, left the clothes. They would have taken them. And they wouldn't have taken the time as they're committing a, a major crime to just unwrap Jesus. And so that didn't fit. And then on top of that, two angels, right? Who are you looking for? It's almost a rhetorical question. Why are you weeping? Why are you looking? Where are you, who are you looking for? It's like, why would you be looking in here? He told you he's not going to be here. And so she was so overshadowed by grief she wasn't able to come to the right conclusion. Plus, when she turned around and saw Jesus, she didn't recognize him. Now, we don't know why. It doesn't say. It could have been because her eyes were so blurry from tears. It could have been because she just wasn't really looking at him right. I mean, the bruised, bloody, beaten body that she would have seen last was not the body she was seeing at the resurrection. This was a body raised to new life, Right? And so she wouldn't recognize him. Maybe Jesus was kind of veiling himself. And when Jesus first spoke, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She, she didn't recognize his voice. So I think she was just so overwhelmed, so overshadowed by her grief or disappointment that she couldn't recognize Jesus. So again, when you come back to your life, what is overshadowing you from recognizing Jesus, from processing the resurrection correctly? Like what are these things? Maybe fear? or grief, or doubt? When, when hard times come into your life, does that overshadow your faith and your belief? Sickness, or ignorance, like you just don't understand Scripture, you don't understand God, you don't understand the Bible? Is it complacency? 
you're just lukewarm and, and you have no desire to change that? Is it that you're so busy and running around everywhere, this frantic pace of life is overshadowing your ability to believe and experience the resurrection power, joy, and hope? Is it anxiety or disappointment or a love of sin? Like, man, sin tastes good for the moment. It'll, it'll, it'll pay. You have a price to pay later. Or is it pride? Like, what is it that's overshadowing that? Let me ask you this. For those of you who are in Christ, you look back on your life before Christ. Raise your hand if you see the one that was up there that was yours. Like, that was in my life before I came to Christ. That was overshadowing. Absolutely. And we won't do this now, but I bet we can say what's overshadowing your faith right now. And a bunch of you would raise your hands about some of these items that are overshadowing your faith. They're overshadowing your belief. They're overshadowing your ability to experience power in your life and freedom and joy and hope and peace. All these things are ours. God doesn't dangle them like, you can have these things. He says, once you're in Christ, they're yours. You just got to utilize them by believing in the resurrection. And so these are ours. So this is where Mary was. This is where we are. But what changed What was the moment of change for Mary where she did recognize and the joy did come online? Verse 16. It's a huge verse when we look at this moment. After Mary is away, turned away, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. What was the moment? It was when Jesus did what? What? Spoke her name. Spoke her name. She recognized the voice of Christ as he spoke her name. And once she recognized her name and the way he said it, everything came online. And then, then her joy overshadowed her grief. She was overjoyed instead of overshadowed. She was overjoyed instead of overwhelmed. And at that point in time, she just wraps her arms around Christ and embraces him. This is not a sensual thing. This is just straight up joy and excitement. He's alive. And she's so full of joy in this moment. And it all happened once he said her name and she recognized his voice and her name. You know, that's the same thing for us. Our belief in Christ is triggered when we hear. It's when we hear the words of Christ. That's what uh, God tells us in the book of Romans chapter 10, verses 17. He says, so faith comes from, what's the word? Hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. Once you hear the Bible taught, once you hear truth and the words of Christ come into the ears and God gives you ears to hear and he gives you a heart to receive, faith is triggered. And we start to ask those questions and God provides the answers through his words, through the word of Christ. And so, so, so hearing him triggered her, her, her joy. Hearing Christ triggers our belief and can trigger our joy. And he called her by name. And some of you are going, well, that, that was unique to Mary. Like she hung out with them. Of course he called her name. You know, the Bible teaches us that if you belong to Jesus, he calls you by name too. Every single one of you. He knows you. He loves you. He calls you by your name. You've heard it. You've heard him calling in your heart and you've responded. Or you're going to be hearing, or you might be even hearing today, Jesus calling your name and you're responding and you'll recognize his voice. There's a lot of voices out there in this world. The world is shouting at you. You've got friends shouting at you. You've got the lies of the enemy shouting at you. But Jesus' voice pierces through all that and you hear him call your name. Some of you are going, where does the Bible say that? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) If you go back about 10 chapters, John chapter 10, God is speaking through John here again. 
And he's using the metaphor of Jesus being a shepherd and we're as a sheep. And in verse 3 says, To him the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep. I'm sorry, what are the next two words? By name. By name. Insert name there. Jesus calls you by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. See, if you don't know Christ yet, Christ is calling you by name. He's calling you to himself. And he's patient. He'll let you have time to respond, but there's, there's a ticker on that. There's a timeline on that that you need to respond to him calling your name. And then you'll recognize his voice. It's a unique voice. It's different than all the other false religions, false teachings, and lies out there. And when you respond to that, that's when resurrection power, resurrection joy, resurrection hope comes online. Another thing I want to point out here in verse 16, if you look at it, it says that when Mary was standing next to Jesus, that she thought he was the gardener, and apparently she turned away from him. She dismissed him. She's like, oh, that's just the gardener, right? And she turned away. And once he said her name, it says that she did what? She turned back to him. The reason some of you are not experiencing the resurrection power, hope, and joy in your life is because you've turned from Christ. Maybe you haven't come to Christ yet and you've dismissed him. Oh, maybe he's not the gardener, but oh, he's just that good teacher from history. Oh, he's just another spiritual leader. Oh, he's just another God out of many. And you dismiss who he really is. But once he calls your name and you hear his voice and you turn to him, then you recognize who Jesus is as God the Son who died on the cross for your sin so that you can be made right with God and your sins can be forgiven and you can have a forever relationship with Him. That's what happens before faith. And once you come to faith, sometimes we're guilty of turning from Christ then. And you're pursuing other things. But when Christ calls you back to Himself, you turn back to Him when you hear His voice. And he's calling you out of that toxic relationship. He's calling you out of those bad choices. He's calling you out of a self-centered lifestyle, an empty lifestyle. He's calling you away from whatever's taking you away that's made you turn away. He's calling you back to turn to him. For some of you today who, who've at one point in your life, you, you've professed Jesus as your Savior, maybe even baptized. Jesus is calling you back because you're not experiencing all that he has for you. The power, the hope, the joy have been overshadowed you got to turn back to Christ. And notice when Mary turned back to Christ, she calls him teacher. And then he gives her a commission. The very first person ever commissioned to go tell others that he's alive was Mary Magdalene. She was commissioned to go tell the other disciples that Jesus was alive. And when she did, she told them, I have seen the Lord. See, true Easter faith is not that a corpse came back to life. It's that the living God, God in the flesh, came back to life and defeated death and defeated sin. It's who came back to life and what he accomplished because of it. And so you get to see him as Lord, Lord of your heart, Lord of your life, Lord of the universe. It's all under his reign. And we get to see him for who he really is. But again, some of you have had that overshadowed in your life. Maybe today's the day that you will not let whatever issue or issues are in your life, you're going to let them no longer overshadow your faith. 
and overshadow your belief and overshadow your hope and your joy and the power that's yours in the resurrection. So here's my hope, that by briefly looking at the resurrection through the eyes of Mary, that for those of you who are already believers in Jesus, those of you online, those of you here, if you already are walking with the Lord, you're intimate with the Lord, that today would be a refresher and a reminder and an encouragement to you to keep trusting Christ. And a reminder that we walk in the resurrection every day. The resurrection brings us power every day, hope every day, joy every day in Christ. And so that that would be an encouragement. My hope also for those of you who know Christ but have turned and walked away. Today could be the day that you just tell the Lord, I'm sorry, I've walked away, I've, I've turned from you, but today I turn back. The, the Bible calls that repentance. I turn back to you. I want to follow you. I want to experience the joy, the hope, the power that you've given me through the resurrection. I haven't been doing that. And my other hope, and the hope of all the believers here, is that if you don't know Christ, that today will be the day that you surrender to this God who loves you so much and went to such great lengths to demonstrate that love by sending his own son to die on the cross for you so that you could be made right with him. And not only that you could have heaven and not only that you could have forgiveness, but you could have power, you could have joy, and you could have hope unlike any other experience you'll ever have in your life. And you have to do that by basically doing what I would call the ABCs of belief. A, you admit that you're a sinner and you need God. B, you believe in Jesus Christ and you believe on his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave uh, as, as God's solution to your sin. And then you see, commit to follow him with your life. And we're going to do that here in a minute. But I just want to take this moment and we, can we just pray together and lift up this moment together and, and, and talk back to God with what we just talked about. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this reminder from your word that the resurrection of Jesus is not a once uh, once a moment holiday that we experience every year, but it's a daily reality that gives us power and peace and hope and joy. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ right now who have been faithfully struggling in life, but walking with you and staying close to you. God, may their times in your word continue to be enriching and nourishing to their soul. God, keep them close. May today be such a, a nourishing and encouraging refresher. God, for those who have named you as their Savior, but they have not been walking close with you, God, would you call them to repentance today? God, that they would turn away from whatever is distracting them from you or dismissing you in their life and come back and that they would hear you calling their voice, hear their name again. In fact, if that's you, can you just take a few seconds and just tell the Lord that? Say, God, I'm sorry for turning away from you. Jesus, I know you're calling me back. Today I come back. I renew my faith. I refresh my faith. I recommit my life to you. And if you've never come to Jesus, I encourage you just to pray those ABCs. Just tell this to God. Say, God, I admit I'm a sinner and I need you. And I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in his death on the cross for my sin. I believe in his resurrection for eternity and new life. And I commit my life to you right now to follow you forever. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. We said together, amen. A couple responses I want to leave with you. If anything you've heard today that was sung, <laughs> that was spoke about, has triggered the need to have a conversation, you've got spiritual questions, you'd like to explore Jesus more, uh, you have a need, 
that, that has, has just been made very evident, maybe something from that list, just get out your phone right now and text our CVC response number, the number on the screen, 276-5575, and text the word CONNECT. And we'll get in touch with you and say, how can we help? What questions do you have? And if today you put your faith in Jesus for the very first time, whether online or in this room, get out your phone and just take for five seconds, just text that number and text the word BELIEVE, that today you believe in Christ. And we'll get right back to you live and just say, here's your next steps to grow in this new faith with Jesus and celebrate that with you. So let's stand and let's continue to celebrate and worship the risen Savior, celebrate a baptism and all that we have because Jesus is alive. Amen?